Hey, it's Rick Kettner here. And in this episode, we're gonna go through three practical insights from Your Brain at Work by David Rock. This book is all about learning how to work more effectively by understanding how the brain operates. It can help us be more focused, more productive, more creative, and it can help us collaborate with others much more effectively. So if you're a leader, if you're a manager, or really anybody else that wants to learn how to work more effectively by understanding both the strengths and the limitations of the human mind, I highly recommend that you consider picking up a copy. Now, based on the title, you might feel like this book might be overly technical or perhaps very dry, but that couldn't be further from the truth. The book uses very practical examples and short stories to really make the content very approachable and very actionable. So with that in mind, let's dive into my three favorite insights, beginning with insight number one, prioritize tasks that consume mental energy. Some tasks and activities that we engage with consume significantly more mental energy than others, specifically because these activities require that we engage in conscious thought. And so we have a limited amount of energy where we can engage in conscious thought effectively. Now the book outlines five different functions that make up the majority of conscious thought, especially in the workplace, which include understanding, deciding, recalling, memorizing, and inhibiting. So we need to be smart about when we engage in this kind of conscious thought because we don't want to deplete our ability to effectively engage in conscious thought when it comes time to focus on our most important work of the day. So what we wanna do is we wanna schedule our day around focusing on the activities that do require conscious thought that are most valuable. And we wanna tackle this kind of work first thing in the morning or immediately after lunch, or perhaps after a break, or after a quick snack where our energy is temporarily boosted. So we wanna be very intentional about how we use this mental energy and that we put it into our most important work. So for example, things like prioritizing tasks, creative writing, or other mindful work like that, depending on exactly what it is that you do and which of your projects are most important. Now, just as important as knowing where to direct your energy is knowing where to not direct your energy. So for example, you wanna avoid paying attention to non-urgent tasks until they become essential. You wanna intentionally delay high energy tasks that aren't critical. A great example of this and one brought up in the book is checking email, which of course, for many working professionals out there is literally the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning. And yet, checking email is one of the fastest ways to derail your day to burn your energy, and to ultimately prevent yourself from having the energy that you need to really focus on your most important work. So what you wanna do is you wanna delay that kind of activity to perhaps right prior to lunch, for a small maybe hour window, depending on how much time you need, or at the very end of the day, but you wanna delay these things until you've tackled your more important work. And finally, another example would be to delay decisions or to avoid having to recall or memorize information. And one way around this is to quickly jot down a note while you're trying to focus on your other work in a reliable way that you know you'll check later so you have the confidence that by writing it down, 
You don't have to worry about that anymore. You'll come back to it when the time is right. So the key message here behind insight number one is that not all tasks consume equal energy. We wanna be aware of the fact that if conscious thought is required, we're burning up this limited energy that makes us very effective when it comes to conscious thought. So we wanna be intentional about how we spend this very limited mental energy. Let's move on to insight number two. Focus on only one conscious task at a time. The brain is really only capable of focusing on one task that requires conscious thought. We can multitask to a limited degree when it comes to things that are automated or are embedded or are non-conscious routines. So for example, things like driving a very familiar route, listening to music, other mindless processes like this, we can do multiple of these things together and on top of that, have one conscious process going where we're actively thinking and choosing and memorizing and that sort of thing. But if we try to do two conscious activities at the same time, for example, thinking of ideas while actively listening to somebody, like a talk or something like that, or you're in a meeting, this is where our ability to get things done drops dramatically. So according to studies, somebody with the mental acuity of a Harvard MBA will drop to the level of an eight-year-old when they're trying to do two conscious activities at the same time. And this is caused by what is called dual task interference. And when this happens, it results in a huge drop in mental performance. Now, what some people might experience as multitasking, because there are plenty of people out there that do think, they do believe they are good multitaskers, what they're almost certainly experiencing is what's called fast switching. So they're switching from one activity to the other and then back and then back again. Really rapidly, they have the illusion of multitasking, but the unfortunate situation with even that approach is that every time you mentally switch from one activity to the other, this burns a lot of that finite mental energy that we talked about earlier. So this comes at a very high cost, and what it can result in is a state of constant mental exhaustion, where we're switching back and forth between two activities, and as a result, very quickly, our performance diminishes, and more importantly, throughout the day, we're going to have lower and lower energy, and so our overall productivity is going to be the cost here. Now, there are three possible solutions outlined in the book for how you might approach this challenge when it comes to juggling too many things at once and feeling like you need to multitask in some way. So the first approach is to embed or automate more of what you do. Try to turn things into non-conscious activities, or perhaps you could simply hand it off, hand it off to somebody else so that you're not having to juggle that yourself. Number two would be to optimize the order in which you deal with information. So going back to what we talked about with the first insight, prioritize the most important things at the beginning of the day and slowly tackle things that require less and less cognitive energy. And finally, number three. You can schedule blocks of time around the different modes of thinking. So rather than having to switch between dramatically different modes of how you might approach certain kinds of work, you can schedule things based on the kind of thinking involved so you don't have to do as much switching involved in that situation. So the core insight here is we can only really do one conscious activity or task at a time, so we must be intentional about directing our focus and avoid burning energy on task switching. Let's continue on to insight number three. 
eliminate distractions faster by using labels. There are two different kinds of distractions that we have to learn to deal with. There are external distractions and there are internal distractions. So external distractions would be anything outside of yourself, including notifications, alerts, coworkers, anything else outside of you that might disrupt your train of thought. And internal distractions might come in the form of thoughts or feelings or habits or routines that are running inside your head that cause you to think about or to want to take action on something other than what it is that you're working on in the moment. Now, the obvious problem here is that these kinds of distractions, both external and internal, can very quickly derail our work. So based on studies that have been done and that were explained in the book, employees spend on average 11 minutes on a task before they get distracted. And when they're distracted after the interruption, on average, it takes 25 minutes to return to the task if they return at all. And finally, kind of bringing everything together, on average, distractions eat up 2.1 hours a day, which honestly, in my opinion, based on I know my own habits over the years and how easily I get distracted, that actually seems pretty low. But even at two hours, that's a huge part of the workday that is effectively lost because of these distractions and how difficult it is to get back to our work. Now, to make things even worse, these kinds of distractions exhaust our limited mental energy that we've been talking about throughout this episode. They require inhibition, which is an active conscious process, to identify and deal with these issues. So as a distraction comes up, we're using this mental energy to identify that distraction, to try to prevent ourselves by being taken over by it. And in some cases, we might even burn more energy by following up and taking an action to deal with that distraction. So not only does it disrupt our day, but it burns our most valuable mental energy in the process. Now, the solution is twofold. First, the most obvious step that we can take is to eliminate external distractions wherever possible. So for example, disable audible alerts, silent your cell phone, do everything you can to disable the kinds of things that pop up on your computer and might interrupt your work process. If possible, close your office door or make it clear that you're doing focused work. A common strategy would be to throw on a pair of headphones and make it clear that you're in focused work. But anything that you can do to eliminate external distractions is step number one. Step number two, and perhaps most helpful of all, is to label common distractions that you might deal with internally. So for example, common thoughts, common habits, common routines, and things that might trigger you to want to distract yourself. For example, a very popular example would be the addiction that many people have formed when it comes to engaging with social media. So for example, you might take the very complicated issue of suddenly having this feeling like, hey, I should check what's happening on Twitter, or I should check you know, if anything has been updated on Instagram or Facebook or something like this, very complicated issue in terms of how your brain might process it and whether or not it's going to be quick at recognizing the very slippery slope that can cause us to fall into a habit or an addiction that can be very distracting. What we want to do here is we want to label that disruption. We want to have a simple phrase that we can use to quickly identify exactly what's going on so that without burning so much mental energy, we can quickly realize 
We don't wanna get distracted by this. We need to focus back on our work and all of that can be done much more efficiently when we have a label. So for example, you might categorize that kind of an issue if it's something that you struggle with as a social media rabbit hole. So if you have that label, social media rabbit hole, whenever you have this feeling like, hey, I should check Twitter or hey, I should check Instagram, you can process this much faster by just saying, nope, that's a social media rabbit hole. I'm not gonna fall into that trap. And the label is important because again, it takes this very complicated issue that might be very tempting to just slip into and it gives it a clear name, a recognizable label that you can rapidly process without getting sucked into the activity your brain can simply say, oh, I know that. I know that's not what I want to do. Instead, I'm gonna focus back on my work. And what the book really strongly recommends is that you get into the habit of identifying and vetoing these patterns early, quickly, and often. You wanna train your brain to recognize these labels, to quickly, immediately understand, this is not what I want to be doing. I know this is not what I want to be doing. And so I'm gonna veto that activity. And this is what it takes to really strengthen our ability to focus, to recognize that certain things are a trap that can pull our mental energy, even just simply in having to deal with them. And instead, we can just say, whoa, I see what's happening here. That's this label. And I'm going to avoid that immediately and shift right back to where I should be focusing my energy. So the main idea here behind insight number three, look for ways to eliminate external and internal distractions. A great way to do that is this trick of using mental labels to identify issues more easily. Anyway, those are three of my favorite insights from the book. There is so much more covered in the book. As you might have noticed, all three insights focused very much on personal focus and productivity, but the book covers a lot more, especially when it comes to collaborating with others and boosting the creativity of yourself and your team. So, for example, how to understand the impact of social status and hierarchy in the workplace, how to help people come up with creative insights, the value of setting appropriate expectations so that you can manage the emotional state of both yourself and your team. So if you're a leader, if you're a manager, or if you're anybody else that wants to be more effective at work by understanding how the brain operates, I recommend that you consider picking up a copy of Your Brain at Work by David Rock. That's it for this episode. If you have any questions or thoughts about anything that we covered here, let me know down in the comment section below. And as usual, if you're listening to the audio edition, I'll include a link in the show notes that'll take you over to the video edition where you too can participate in the comment section. If you want more content like this in the future, I recommend that you subscribe or follow my updates on social media so you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to connecting with you again in a future episode.